0: Everybody, this is Coach Stephanie here with the Keto Endurance Podcast, and I have the super cool person here, Mary Roberts. From a, she's a keto evangelist coach. She's super awesome. I met her on the Low Carb Cruise, and I love her to pieces. So she's going to talk about her experience with keto, how she became a coach, and things that she sees when people are having problems not getting the results they want from a ketogenic diet.
1: All right. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. (laughs) I love talking about keto. So, like, you know, I could, you know, do this all day. So, I have been keto a little over five years. It's five years and a few months now. Um, I started in March of 2014. I had done a couple of rounds of low carb via Atkins prior um, to starting keto. And prior to that, I had, you know, I mean, my entire life starting from my freshman year in high school, which was when I ha- went on my very first diet, I've been on, you know, all the different diets. I've tried everything that's out there. Like, I remember as a little girl, I used to attend TOPS
0: meetings with my mom. Oh, is so sad? It's so sad that we've been met. I mean, I I have a similar story, but yeah. messed up so long. But go on, Mary. Yeah. Like I remember attending these meetings with her and this
1: was like as a kid, maybe like nine, 10, 11 years old, They like, they used to have, hand out like the food tracker thing every week where you would write down your food and So my mom would fill hers out and she would give one to me. And I don't remember why I don't think she like, cause I was a skinny kid. So I don't think she was like, you know, here you fill us. I probably asked for one because I attended the meetings with her. I, I don't know. But um, that was like my first, very, very first introduction to diets was Tops. A lot of times I forget to mention that, but it just, I was reminded of it today. But I went on my first diet when I was a freshman in high school, and because I had gotten a little bit chunky, and I did it because I, I, I wanted a boyfriend. Like I went on a diet so I could get a boyfriend, right? The typical teenage girl So I basically starved myself with extreme caloric restriction. Like, I would eat once or twice a day and I would have, like, a banana. Or, do you remember those figurine bars from the um, 80s? <laughs> they yeah. were the wafer, chocolate wafer things, so 100 um, calories. <laughs> yeah. I would eat those. And yeah, so that freshman year, I lost, like, I don't know, 40 ish pounds. And then I maintained a good, part of it through high school. But then by my senior year, my parents hospitalized me for bulimia. Uh, Um, so, you know, I did a a stint in a women's, like the women's wing of this hospital that was for, it wasn't just eating disorders. I think there, but I think the girls that they had me with, we were all, you know, it was eating disorder issues. And then as an adult, I've just battled my, my weight, my entire adult life, you know, up and down, this diet and that diet. So, I mean, I've done like Richard Simmons deal a meal. Uh, I've done, remember the little cards you would move over. Yes. Um, I, you know, tried Benjamin. Um, I did slim fast, uh, you know, I counted calories. That was like my biggest, my most go-to was counting calories. Like I would try all these other things. And then I would always say, well, counting calories is the only thing that works for me, even though it never really worked for me. Like it works for a while, Right. But when your problem isn't your weight, it's your mindset. So most of my life, you know, I mean, I knew I had an issue with food. I, you know, I was a binge eater and there's such, you know, shame involved in that. Like, so you don't tell people what's going on, but like, I would wait until my family went to bed so I could eat or I would eat, you know, that secret eating is a big part of having an, an eating disorder, you know, so I would eat when everyone was asleep or I would eat in the car when I was, you know, by myself. I used to go to the drive-thru and pretend like I was ordering for more than one person so they wouldn't know I was going to eat all of that food. I used to wrap wrappers into like paper towels and shove them inside a cereal box in the trash so nobody would see my candy wrappers. Yeah, it was just all of that kind of, you know, behavior around food, lots of shame and loss of control and just really like being addicted, you know, sugar and carbs were the draw for me, but I could overeat anything, honestly. And so about, I want to say 2012, a friend of mine, uh, Mandy, who she currently uh, runs, she wasn't on the cruise. You might've met her at at KetoCon, but Mandy runs the Keto Evangelist Kitchen. We've been friends for a long time and we were kind of diet buddies, but we were total like enablers and codependent and (laughs) you know, we would message each other back and forth about like, you know, whining about our weight and you know, how sick of stuff we are. And then we would try diets together and all that. So she messaged me like in 2012 about Atkins and I had heard of it, but like, really, like when I hear the word Atkins, like the only thing I associated with it was bacon. Like I'm like, Is that the bacon thing. And she's like, yeah, she sends me to their website. I order their little free kit. And that was like my introduction to low carb. Like it was the first time and doing that. And, and the weight kind of like fell off pretty quickly. Like the first couple of weeks doing that was like my first inkling that carbs were an issue for me, like for real, like I, you know, before I always thought it was cal- you know, the calories were my problem, but it was just all the food combined together and the total calories that that was like the main problem.
0: Right. Well, and a lot of people think that you're not alone, you know, that's what we've been brainwashed to believe. Absolutely right, and, and I think I told the story in my speech on the cruise that even if you lose weight, calorie restriction doesn't mean you're going to be healthy right right doesn't mean ju- even just because you lose the weight doesn't mean your metabolic systems are healthy. But I didn't mean to stop you in the middle, but oh, that's fine. you're <laughs> absolutely
1: you know I mean? right because I had so at this point when I was tried Atkins the first time, I was like two hundred and forty pounds. And I lost about forty pounds. Losing that forty pounds did not bring my blood pressure down. I still had to be on my blood pressure medication. I still was using my inhaler for my asthma. I was definitely still having bad blood, sh- like my blood sugar improved a lot with Atkins, but it didn't like improve enough because I am one of the was one of those people. Like I wanted to work. With, like Atkins has phases, right? So I wanted to work yeah. my way through those phases as fast as I could. So my problem with Atkins was I wanted to get to the phases where you could eat more carbs and different kinds of carbs, right? And and like it didn't take into account ingredients and, and stuff like that. So I worked my way up to eating bread as quick as I could. But that was like the beginning of the end. So like I lost 40 pounds and gained back 50. And then, you know, like a year or so went by. And again, like in 2013, I did it again, lost 40 pounds in 2013 got stuck and, you know, stalled because I did the thing, you know, I would eat chicken McNuggets from McDonald's because the six piece chicken McNuggets was 13 carbs. But when you're a food addict and it's that the mental, emotional and physiological addiction, like six McNuggets is not enough. So, you know, as soon as I started playing the let's have a six piece McNugget game, it led back into, Oh, I'm going to get the 10 piece. Oh, I'm just going to get the 20 piece and you're binging now. You know, and it's beginning to the end in the downward spiral. So I did that a second time, had lost the 40 pounds in 2013, put back on 50. So now I'm like, you know, between 250 and 260, you know, I kind of back off for a while because like having an eating disorder, there's that voice of sabotage, you know, in our head, Jessica and I, and lots of people call it Ed. So
0: like, I I love the Ed story. So Ed Ed for eating disorder. Eating, Eating disorder, yeah,
1: you know, Ed for sure, it's that. So it's that voice in, in our head because that voice is not us. Like I think it's really important that we see it as a separate I- identity. It's it's the voice of sabotage, and we usually say self sabotage, and self sabotage makes sense. But really, we want the best for ourselves. Like we don't want all these things that happen to us as a result of the dysfunctional behavior. We don't want to be fat. We don't want to be unhealthy. We don't want to be depressed. But we believe the lies that that voice tells us, you know? So I, for that period between the second time I did Atkins and gain the weight back. And before I started keto, you know, maybe like a six month period or so. And I was like, that was, I was totally full on in, in denial in that stage. I was trying to do the, yeah, I'm just going to count calories and eat in moderation because that, you know, I can't follow these extreme things. You know, that's the voice talking to me. You can't do that. You know, just, Enjoy life, and then even sometimes the voice, many times would say, "You know what? You're not meant to be thinner. You're a big girl. You're a big bone. Just accept it. Eat what you want, and enjoy your life." But I can't enjoy my life when I am
0: sick and tired and feel crappy about how right. I look. You know, I so just, it's just feel like, crappy in general. It's not even. Yeah. How you look? I mean, right right now because I'm struggling with some hormone issues. But I don't look much different than I did when I I was taking thyroid medication, some estrogen. But I went off of it. I'm seeing Doctor Nally, and he's doing a brand new panel. I'm waiting to get his panel, so I stopped taking what I was taking. Uh And I'll tell you, the thyroid medication does work. (laughs) So it doesn't work at making me thinner it makes works at making me feel much better. Right. And I think that feeling good is half the battle. Like it doesn't matter what you're eating. If you're eating a low fat, high carbohydrate diet and you're a size two, but you feel like crap, what good is it? Exactly.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. Like feeling good is, is a huge, you know, part of it. So Yeah. So I decided that I wanted to feel good. I was like, I was uh, afraid of a lot of things also somewhere like in those years too. Like, I I mean, I would get sick like every four, three, four months I would have some kind of like illness or whatever. And, and somewhere in like like that six months to a year prior to me going keto, I had gotten sick and my husband gave me some like antibiotics that he had that were like sitting around. I'm like, okay, I'll take those instead of like going to the doctor. Right. Well, I took one, and like an hour later, totally left my house in an ambulance because I thought I was having a heart attack. So that's scary. Yes, it is very scary. So I had that scare. It was like you know I was very heavy, like two hundred and fifty pounds, pretty heavy, and not feeling good. And thought I was now a heart attack. So it turns out I didn't. I just had a reaction to this what he gave me, and I got a lecture. You know from the the Cardiologist at the hospital is like, don't take medication, because they sent me to like, you know, get all the testing stuff. And he's like, don't take medicine that somebody gives you, even if it is your husband. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, so that kind of stuff was going on. I just didn't feel good. I got sick several times a year, and I was just tired of it. I was afraid that I was gonna have a stroke from my high blood pressure. You know, I was afraid I was gonna die. And my son was like nine years old. And, you know, he wanted me to like go and do stuff with him. And I had a really hard time keeping up. I couldn't go on a bike ride because I was too fat to ride a bike. I definitely couldn't like, I would try to like run around the backyard with him, but it would last like five minutes. And I'd I'd be like, I'd have to sit down and I'm like, huffing and puffing. Mommy needs five minutes. You know, I mean, it was just terrible. And so March of, of 2014, I don't really honestly know what was so different because I'd had all these fears before, you know, and I'd been not feeling well for so long. And I got diagnosed with type two diabetes in 2008. So I'd been dealing with that since 2008 and here it was 2014. And I hadn't changed that situation. I tried following, you know, the guidelines that the American Diabetes Association puts in place, but it's too high in carb and doesn't take addiction into account. So people spin their wheels and they can't get better. You know, they can only bring their blood sugar to a certain point.
0: Well, I don't think those guidelines are designed to get people off the medication. Oh,
1: no, absolutely not. So I know they're like making progress You know now. yeah, They've added low carb to the list of options, but frankly,
0: it should be the only freaking option on there. Do you think that I think, I don't know, this is me guessing, but they have to add low carb because there's so much science that supports it now.
1: I guess so. But I think they've been getting a lot of pushback too. Right. Um, They also just got a new, I don't know if it's, I don't know what the title is, but the person who heads up the ADA, it's a new lady and she's more open-minded apparently than the previous people. But so, I mean, we're making, making progress, but really if you have type two diabetes, if you want to get well and not be on medication and control and manage your type two diabetes. Having a normal blood sugar at all times, it, you've got to do it with the food, and you you can't do it by eating, you know, what they recommend of forty-five to sixty carbs per meal. That's with crazy. A day, yeah. And then two snacks at fifteen to thirty carbs each. Like it's ridiculous. You cannot manage your blood sh- have a healthy blood sugar following those guidelines. It's well,
0: shameful. it will ensure that you are staying on diabetes medication.
1: Right, you know, and so I mean that—that that was the thing, you know. So I was on the maximum dose uh, of metformin. My doctor was like trying to get me to do insulin. I was like, no. And my reason for saying no was not because I was knowledgeable about how insulin would have been bad for me. I know that now, but at the time, it was like, oh no, I don't do needles. So like that was like vibrate. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'd rather be sick than you know, like that's like that disordered, dysfunctional mindset too. You know, I'd rather be sick but I'm glad I didn't do that cuz I I don't know like if I'd have done that like how much more damage I would have caused myself. Yeah. So yeah, so in, in 2014 my husband's birthday was March 2nd and we had a family party and that night after everybody went to bed I finished off his birthday cake and the bluebell ice cream. I had a binge and then I hid all the evidence, washed the cake pan, put it away cuz my husband he's thin, okay? He's never had a weight problem. He is the kind of guy who will leave food on the plate, including dessert, which I could never relate to. I'm like, who leaves food on their plate? Um, but that was my husband. So I knew he wouldn't miss the cake. Like, So if I, out of sight, out of mind, the next day he wasn't going to say, hey, where's the cake? Where's the ice cream? So I just you know, had the binge, disposed of everything, cleaned it up. And even the only ones who noticed was my kids. And I'm like, oh, it's all gone it didn't say mommy ate it, but oh, it's all gone. But that morning, that next morning after my husband's party, I stepped on the scale as I frequently did. But that time, like I'd seen like the highest number that I had seen yet. And it was 260. And I had a freak out. I was like, oh my God, I'm only 40 pounds away from 300 pounds. How did I get here? And we've all had days like this where this is the day You know, I'm doing it this time. I'm serious. I need to get my crap together. You know, that whole speech that we do when we're sick of ourselves. And so I did that, but I did something different that day. I took a picture and that's the before picture that I use for a lot. I have other pictures that I use sometimes, but the one that I use mostly is this, that day standing in my bathroom with my size 20 W jeans that were like cutting off my circulation at the waist. And I was wearing this like kind of oversized white top that when I looked in the mirror, I was like, Oh, it hides, it hides everything. And I joke sometimes it's not like eating disorders are not a laughing matter, but I used like, I would joke back then that I had reverse anorexia because I would look in the mirror and be like, Oh, I look okay. And then I would see a picture and I would be like, who the hell
0: is that? Like, well, I think a lot of people are like that. I've done that. Well, I'm like, Oh, from this angle, I look fine. Then you see another angle and you're like, yeah. hmm, not fine. Like, oh, uh. my son got sent from home from the military. Cause he had a stress fracture mm-hmm. and uh, he was really depressed about it. He could go back um, long story, but so he was injured, got sent home, was depressed, gained a hundred pounds. Wow, And he had, hasn't really lost any of it, but he thinks, he goes, I'm fine. I'm like, you're a hundred pounds more than you were, but he's...
1: Denial is like one of the ways that we protect our ourselves, you know, we go, we all like go through that. We protect ourselves because sometimes admitting is super painful, you yeah. know, and then it brings well, all
0: those do. horrible memories of like what, you know, traumatic memories of things. And uh, yeah, denial is a pretty big deal. I have to say, listening to you, uh, whenever you guys were giving the talk on the cruise, which I thought was fabulous, I don't really have those traits. I don't do those things. Mm-hmm. But I. it's good to hear what a food addiction sounds like, because you can say, oh, good, that's, that's not my problem. Right, and then and that yeah, order, everybody that is. has
1: Ed like everybody a lot has of the do. voice in
0: their head. Though, have you read the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? Mm-mm. So he calls it resistance, okay. and it's but it's so good, and I would recommend that book to yeah, anybody. Yeah,
1: everybody. Definitely has that lying voice in their head. It doesn't have to be just about eating, the but it does. Ha-
0: yeah, it has to be with like for me. It's more like I'm not fast enough. Like I'm, I riding my bike with my friends and it's like, oh, I'm not fast enough. So usually we do bike rides together in the morning and my friends haven't been showing up because, and I, you know, that little voice in my head's like, oh, they don't want to ride with me because I'm slower than them. Mm -hmm. And then I found out like, you know, they, for one, it's really hot here. And they're like, I know they're busy with other things, but you know, be that little voice in my head is saying, oh, it's because of me. As right. as I'm holding them back. They don't it really, really have nothing to do with you. Probably it's all know, everybody has their so, own stuff. <laughs> I know, and it's so stupid. And it's like, uh, well, I rode this morning. It's eighty five degrees, and you know we don't have a ton of humidity here, but we had a storm last night, and it's about forty percent humidity right now. I know. Don't worry. Welcome. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, <if laughs> you're thought right? it was ninety four percent humidity.
0: <laughs> well so it's well for us it's super muggy <laughs> but it's still 84 85 degrees and so it's it's sticky and I was riding and and thinking well <laughs> that one of the girls wrote that she's just going to ride her trainer and and the other girls I'm just busy with work but it's like realizing it's not all about me they're not They're not not riding with me because I'm slower than them. So I'm not saying I don't have my own issues because I've got, you know, some issues, but it's good to say, like, it's like, hey, I've never, like, hidden food or, like, done that, but I know people who have, and I know my son does because he, I find it, like, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And I used to give him such a hard time about it, and then I realized, you know, he's a grown man. There's no, like me giving him a hard time about it. It has to be his choice. Right. It has to come from him. He has to
1: get to the, you know, the rock bottom, we call it, you know, right. or that turning point for himself. And all we can do is like plant seeds and, you know, right. group by example, that kind of thing. And, and but yeah, but I share, you know, it's good it's that, fun. When I, you know, share my, my story, the reason I talk about a lot of the things I do is not just for people who can relate to me, but so that other people can understand their right. loved ones better because so right. many people, when you don't live it, yeah. it's hard to get it. You know, like, so even well-meaning people in our lives, our friends and family that love us, when we say, like, for example, together for a holiday thing, and we are determined, you know, not to eat the dessert and we're not eating the dessert, the well-meaning person who loves us is offering the dessert and saying, like, just one bite. Yeah, just one bite. Oh, it's Christmas. Go ahead. And they're doing that because they love us. But if they actually understood our battle, they wouldn't do that. Just like if they have a recovering alcoholic in their family, they're not like, hey, Uncle Jim, you know, it's Christmas, have a beer. They know because Uncle Jim would like be in the gutter two days after Christmas. So they don't do that. But so if they understood People with food addiction, you know, and eating disorders, they could be just as, you know, supportive. But, right? Yeah, but a lot of people, food equals love, you know, so they, right. they, that's how they deal with us. But, anyways,
0: no, so- I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think just learning to have compassion with our loved ones and respecting their choices. Yeah, because I'm been the other extreme with my son, being like really sort of mean to him saying, you know, you need to stop drinking sugary sodas. Like I, I equate that to drinking cancer water. Yeah. So I, I see him buy a soda or something and I'm like turning over the label. Did you not see how many carbs are in that drink? And I'm like, all right, Stephanie, you're being crazy. And I don't think that I'm helping him. I mean, now I realize I used to think I was helping him, but now I realize right. and Just being overbearing. Well, and- it's
1: hard too, because when we like, so you're a coach, you know, it's similar. Like when we want things for our kids, when we want things for our clients, it's really hard when we want for them more than they want for themselves. We want so badly for our children or our mother or, you know, whatever loved one to make changes. And so we're like pushing, thinking that we can convince them and sell them on it. Right. Right. Um, but they have to, yeah, they have to be ready. It has to be themselves. their decision.
0: I mean, yeah. even client, I mean, for me, cause I have a very, I coach endurance athletes. I have a very specific client that I've had. I've fired my clients because they are not interested in either uploading their workouts or um, giving me feedback or, or they say, Oh, I'm going to do low carb. Like we have specific time periods. We actually, you know, Some people do add back in carbs during specific training sessions, Mm -hmm. but uh, then you're like, well, you know, I was eating low carb, but then I still had a, um, I added to make mashed cauliflower and then add a potato to it to make it smoother. I'm like, well, then that's not keto. That's not, like, you're not following the program. And I did give her that feedback, but it's like she wasn't really interested in making yeah. those big of changes. And that's fine. I, that's not the person
1: that you want to work with. Yeah. Right. I, I totally get it. I've had to say to clients before, you know, when, the, so I know when someone's right, like if they start trying to negotiate with me, my response yeah. to them is you don't sound ready. Right. It's Cause some people really do think like that just hiring you is something magical. And, and this hiring a coach is going to change them and they'll like you know but then when you lay down the guidelines and here's what is gonna get you optimal results they're like "Uh, what you know like they don't want to hear it and they start trying to negotiate and it's like no you're not ready like you're not in enough pain like my clientele is different from your probably you know I, most of my clients do have an eating disorder. They're overweight. They have, you know, they're, they're obese. They have diabetes. They have high blood. You know, they're dealing with a lot of the same things that I was dealing with. And a lot of them are just like heavily addicted, and they're not ready if they're not willing to like try whatever you su- suggest. Like people that are desperate and willing to do anything to get better are not going to negotiate. Um, right. So I can always tell, like, who's going to make it <laughs> who isn't, you know?
0: Yes. Well, I think it's the same. Well, I'm coaching endurance athletes, but sometimes I do get people who find me by referral or whatever, they have a food addiction or something like that. A lot of times they, people have other stressors outside of their life mm-hmm. that affect their decisions. and yeah. And so then they're not willing to address some of those external factors, then I'm like, well, I'm not the person, I agree, I'm not the person to help you. But most of the time I have, people are training for a specific event and they want to know how to time their carbohydrates or when and and how. And that's more my population. But also people who like me, who have done endurance sports for years, who have Weight problems or, or heavier than they want to be. And a lot of times is because we, well, like me, have hormone issues because we followed the low fat, high carb diet and trained like a crazy person. Right. And then our body finally said, nope. Right. Nope, no more. Yeah. I think that we all, all have our own issues. And oh, so, for sure. yeah. The for baggage sure. that the words that a lot of people who I work well, I imagine who are like me are like, oh, I, I'm not good enough because I can't swim as fast as that person. You know, we always have that, that little voice that says, I'm not good enough. Yeah, the
1: voice of sabotage. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And it, it doesn't matter like what, you know, it, it can attack us on, on anything. You know, it's most prevalent in my life with my eating disorder, but it definitely has, you know, got me in, in other areas before, like in school, you know, oh, just yeah. do enough to get by. Cause you're not smart enough to like, even if you studied for three hours, you're not going to get an A, don't waste your time. That's all that same voice of
0: sabotage. Well, that same voice we were talking before we started the interview, Mary and I were talking about social media. And when I was on the cruise, these girls are fabulous. The Keto Evangelist girls, well, I'll just say all of the ones I've met are fabulous. I am imagining that the ones... (laughs) I'm imagining that the ones who I didn't meet are still fabulous, but they're so good at social media. You Keto know, coach Lauren who is not with Keto Evangelist, but she is she's so good and it I is. was and I was like nobody's going to want to hear my story. Nobody's going to want to work with me. Nobody cares what I have to say or the pictures I take. And who am I to think that anybody's going to listen? But that's my little <laughs>
1: Yeah, you just got to shut it down. But because that's not true, you know, it takes all kinds to appeal to all kinds, you know, like we all have like a certain, you know, audience that that we appeal to. And I think where people go wrong is trying to appeal to everyone. Yeah. You know, I think it's okay to have a, a niche and to be your authentic self and talk about the things that you're passionate about and that you are knowledgeable about and that you want to focus on. And those people that are out there wanting that information will be drawn to you and find you. And we can't get like caught up in like the number of followers and how many like, I mean, social media is so screwed up in so many ways, you know, as far as like there's all these algorithms and there's you like, there's, there's just stuff that happens, you know, and there are people who pay for followers and who pay for shout outs and stuff like that. So, you know, they're looking to, they build their audience that way because they just want like big numbers. And that's not what I'm about. I want to reach the people like, I'm glad to see like, there are more and more men um, showing up in the the keto community because I think for the most part, weight loss and eating disorder and stuff has been kind of like taken over by women. And that's really like who it's always been on. And so when I started sharing my story, like I was really coming from a place of, I wanted to help other women who, you know, who were moms and sick and wanting to, you know, turn their life around, you know, having a heart for women to help them change so they know they didn't have to suffer. But, you know, there's plenty of men out there with eating disorders and um, who are also suffering I've worked with a lot of male clients over the three years that I've been a coach and their issues are very much the same. It's not like a male or or female thing. You know, Ed doesn't discriminate. He treats us all the same. So yes, Ed's a jerk.
0: That's that's an (laughs) asshole. But I love, I love how you guys call him like somebody. It's like, that's not me. Right. The me that the me is, uh, a beautiful, perfect, like if you want to, like, I like to say God, but God wants the best for us. Right. Like we're this beautiful being and, but these outside external factors that have been programmed into us. I think a lot of times those are the little voices that we have to learn to say, no, I'm good enough. I'm great. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I just, I, I, can't recommend you guys enough. So talk about, you have a new program coming out. I saw a post for for people with eating disorders.
1: Yeah, actually. So Jessica and I have an eight week um, education and support group for food addiction and recovery. And we actually started it back in November was when we did it first. We started the first class, like the weekend before Thanksgiving. And we did that. We're like, okay, like maybe that's not a great time to start it, but we're going to do that anyway, because then it'll be in time for the holidays. And we were really kind of not sure because it was right, you know, before Thanksgiving, would it take, but we ended up having to put people on a waiting list because the group filled up so fast because we cap it at like between 20 and 25. We like to keep it small so that the two of us can interact with people. You know, we, you want build,
0: to make it manageable. Yeah, we
1: could fill a bigger group, but there wouldn't be the intimacy. And well, that's what we want. We want people to feel like safe in this little group. You know, it's a secret group on Facebook and we want people to feel safe. And everybody in there is dealing with like the same thing. So we started it back in November and we're about to start on Sunday, the 28th. Our next group starts. We still have about five or six spaces left and it's our 10th group we've done 10 you know 10 of these technically 11 because we did a phase 2 group for one group that like begged us to to do it yeah it's pretty fantastic if i don't say so myself like coach uh, jessica has um like so we make kind of a good team because like she's not that i lack compassion but i'm more of like a no nonsense like practical you know and she's very um you know she gets like a lot more Uh, emotional, she tunes into people's emotions a little better than I do. So anyway, we make a, we make a good team in, in working with people. So it's an eight week group and it covers identifying, like identifying your eating disorder, identifying your danger zone. So like one thing that a lot of people have heard about, and actually I just saw um, nutrition with Judy Uh, Judy, I don't know her last name, but um, she has a great Instagram account and she's doing this series right now on on disordered eating. But she had a graphic out the other day that Jessica and I have been using this in our program and we've both used it ourselves for years. And that's the HALT, the H-A-L-T. People's universal triggers are if you're hungry, angry, or anxious, lonely, or tired, that those are danger zones. Those are triggers for people to eat when they're not hungry or to binge or, you know, overeat. And so those are like the universal ones that like everybody has. So we talk about that, but we also talk about beyond that, because in addition to being hungry, angry, anxious, lonely, or tired, we all have our personal danger zones. Like maybe it's every time we see our mother-in-law, <laughs> I have a great mother-in-law, so that's that example, but like, but for people, you know, or maybe it's their boss or their job or, a kid who stresses them out or like anything like there's all these things that people have in their life that cause them to go off the wagon. how many times we heard that i fell off the wagon so what our group does is or
0: kicked out of keto is so right (laughs)
1: like i i kicked myself out of ketosis so that's code for i cheated i you know went off the rails i did something i knew i shouldn't have done you know so our group helps people identify those danger zones because if you know what your problem areas are and your problem situations, then you can make a plan to deal with them. And you can also, you know, you could look ahead and say, oh, okay, well, it's the holidays. We're going to be at aunt Susie's for the weekend. And all these people are going to be around. This is typically a danger zone for me. So what can I do to make it through this weekend that I've historically not made it through? You know, so we talk about all identifying all those things. We talk about how to overcome the voice of sabotage. We encourage what we call food sobriety. You know, like I've been food sober, like 1,969 days. So like alcoholics track how many days they're sober, how many years, like we encourage people to track their food sobriety. And that's how, how many days have you been clean from binging and overeating or, you know, eating your trigger foods? And is something for people to kind of hang on to. So it's eight weeks. It's done via a secret Facebook group. Like nobody even knows, like your friends and family wouldn't even know you're in it. It's not even searchable in a Facebook search. And each week we Jessica and I put out informational videos on that week's topic. There's a, a discussion topic for everyone, you know, on the group. There's a journal assignment each week. And then also each week we do a Facebook Live for them to ask us questions. And we talk about the agenda for the week and, and all of that. And it's been pretty powerful so far. We've had a lot of people come through the group and we have people that are, uh, went through our first group in November and are still food sober. So it's pretty nice to that because a lot of people don't even know, like they don't even understand or know the concept of like we talked about on the group. Like people were like, I've never thought of it that way. The concept of ed. So many people don't know That it's this disordered voice and it's not their own, you know, thing going on.
0: And I love, well, I love that. I love Ed. I love calling it something else, something that that's not you. That's you know this whatever voice it is. And I love how both of you, well, all of you, are so, especially you and Jessica, help people out on their crap. Not in a bad way and very polite way, but you have the good ear for hearing it like ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That's Ed talking. That's your insecurity talking. And I know when we were sat at the table a couple of times and chatted and you and Jessica were so good about now, is that really you talking or is that your insecurity or your, you know, some people call it ego. That's not you who's really saying that. That's your fear and fear is a liar and that liar is just keeping you from being your best self. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the things I love about both of you are so good at calling people out on I guess you could say their BS or that they're their own you hear those trigger words of of baloney yeah. that's not not now. Well, and
1: that's only because we've experienced it enough at this point, you know, like we've been through it. And people always ask us in the group if we still struggle. And the answer to that is yes, but not with the same things. Like, I can go to the grocery store and be fine. He doesn't come at me anymore and go, oh, look, Hershey Bar's three for a dollar. Get one, Mary. Get them, get them. Like, he doesn't come at me with that because I'm not going to buy a Hershey Bar. I'm not going to eat a Hershey Bar. It's not going to happen. But he comes at me like at the gym last week. I had a total meltdown. He came at me with, "You'll never look like that girl. Why are you wasting your time? You don't have the genetics for this." But you know this, all this, oh, and
0: I that's felt my garbage. Head. Yes. yes, my head's like, "Why did you even?" Oh, yes,
1: yeah. So yes. so yeah. So I, you know, now I, my the next, you know, this next phase of my journey, you know, I, I'm now I'm food sober and I don't have. Like we ask in the group, the question, like down towards the end of the group, what things could cause you to break your sobriety? And at this point, you know, Jessica and I could both say that nothing like my dog could die. My husband could die. I could lose a leg. Like there's nothing that would cause me to lose my sobriety because it wouldn't change whatever my circumstances are for the better. Like, and it's not, it's not a crutch for you anymore. Right. Right. You know, so so this next phase of, of my journey is like dealing with the whole body dysmorphia thing, which is huge, and that's why that was like really my first like on the low carb cruise. You were talking about keto coach Lauren; like she's fantastic. That talk like just really got you know it, it just hit to me
0: too. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, was just like, crap. yeah, that's me. And I think it's as young girls, how many of us listen to our mothers talk? About how they don't like their bodies. Yeah. And then we were programmed as kids to, to do that. One of my son is, well, my youngest son's 21 now, but he had, so he used to have all of his friends over. And one of the girls, probably 16 or 17, was talking about, oh, I need to go on a diet. I'm so fat. She was not fat at all. And I was telling Ethan later, I'm like, if she talks like that around you, you need to say something like, stop talking like, you, you know, don't say that to yourself. And he goes, mom, it sounds to me like this is something that you have. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I used to say those things to myself. And sometimes I still do because, you know, going to, I roomed with Debbie Potts, who looks fabulous. <laughs> and uh, she's like, why don't you ever wear colors? And she goes, you always wear black. And I'm like, well, because black is slimming. Hello. Hello, yeah everyone
1: knows that. <laughs> everyone with a weight problem knows you wear black,
0: <laughs> and she's like, "I really think you need to wear colors and the first so I wore this I had this red top with me, and it didn't have sleeves, and I almost had an anxiety attack, just walking out with colors on and then so lately, I've been going to the lake. I do a, a paddle board with my triathlon club i Do the stand-up paddleboard while they swim because I like paddleboarding and don't like swimming. (laughs) But uh so I've been wearing these uh bikini tops, not super tiny, but and let me tell you the first couple times I I about had a panic attack and worried like people are gonna be disgusted, like, oh how who does she think she is wearing a bikini top? She's too fat. Nobody said a single thing or even looked at me different. Right. It's so Yeah, I totally get that. Like
1: my first summer as not a fat person, I bought more than one bathing suit. And one of the ones I I did buy a two-piece and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I've been waiting for this moment, you know, to wear a two-piece suit. And I put the two-piece suit on and then I put a tank top over it. (laughs) (laughs) And it took me like half the summer till I, you know, like the summer was almost over when finally at the pool, I'm like, screw it. I'm taking the tank top off because I'm like, I'm not getting any younger. The loose skin is what it is. I'm not a supermodel. I I'm not a hard body. This is as good, you know, like as it is right now. And so I'm just gonna go with it. Like, and nobody was going to care. It was like all, you know, I was torturing my head, myself about it. No one was going to care.
0: It's like crazy, crazy voice in our head that make that Ed eating disorder or just disordered thinking dt. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> DT. <Yeah. laughs> disordered <Yeah>. thinking. <DT. laughs>
1: that's
0: a good I'm one. Gonna st- <laughs> I'm going to start calling mine dt because I feel like I can't relate to the ed.
1: Yeah.
0: But that's I like cooler, it. though. I like that. <laughs> I, and that's a Jessica calls it disordered thinking. Too I've heard her yeah. say that. And I was like that fits me a lot more is like that yeah. crazy talk.
1: Yeah. Whatever works for you, right? Yes. But I think that the important thing is separating it from yourself though we are not that disordered right. voice like that's the voice that's trying to stop our true self from you know the best version of ourselves. being so. the
0: best and that peace mm-hmm. so even debbie was saying that when she was training hard she was like she, she's super fast you know and she was con- Said, oh my calves are so big. I'm like, what the frick are you talking about? Cause your calves like are super muscular and look it
1: looks amazing. Like her arms are about
0: everything. I'm like, dang. <laughs> but and then she and so like that was a like a little like, oh crap, there's no nobody. Nope. None no. of us, none of us, I don't care how good you look, there's something you're going to say, like, oh, my eyebrow is not, you know, perfect or my nose is not you No, know, yeah. if you have some disordered thinking's going to get to you no matter who you are, what yeah. you look like, or um, you know, how big or small, how fast or slow you are.
1: Yeah. The body dysmorphia thing. It's
0: so, it,
1: it's so prevalent. And even like, there's somebody who I follow on Instagram. I love her to death. She's gorgeous. And she has talked about how being upset about her body. And like my, the first time she talked about that, I was like, I could not understand. I'm like, what is her problem? Like I would kill three people to look like you. you know? <laughs> and here she is. She's like, she has her own issues. And so I have finally been able to like when i was fat i really disliked people that like out of you know it was just jealousy you know i disliked people that were thin that bitched about their body yeah i could not really i was like oh my god i i you know even if i weighed 30 pounds heavier than you i I'd, I'd be happy right like we do these things but now you know that my perspective has changed because my body has changed and and i've been a lower weight than i am today I wasn't happy with that either, yeah. you know? So I had to, you know, get to this point where like, it's not about, you know, you have to learn to, to be happy. Like, I think, you know, like where you're at, it's okay to have goals and to still want to change, but it shouldn't like, we should be able to enjoy where we're at and what we have while we're working on that self-improvement or that goal or whatever it is that we're going for.
0: Yes. I, I think too, like you are talking about being, I used to work, I mean, I've worked in gyms for many years because and training and some of the beautiful people, like they have literally perfect bodies. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice people. And there's like like people don't think that I'm nice. Like they a lot of times people are not nice to them, thinking that they are arrogant or not nice because they look good. And so it's sort of a reverse but it's like, oh, well, are they looking at me and judging me? And I was like, they're, and they don't, you know, I I mean, the people I worked with who I know some, some probably do, but these are very nice people. And it's like, I'm making assumptions about them making this. Right. Because it's of our,
1: our, from our, it stems from our own insecurities. When the fact of the matter is like at the gym, especially like nobody's looking at us. They're all worried about themselves. Everyone's thinking this, same thing about everyone. Like they're not picking other people apart; they're picking themselves apart. They're comparing themselves to the people in the gym that they perceive as better than themselves, right?
0: Or even in like, am I doing this exercise right? Or, right. And even though, or like, you know, are they criticizing my workout? Or you know, and it's like probably not. Probably they're probably just worried about what they're doing. And right. For my clients who are worried about going to the gym, I usually tell them, just put in some headphones and go do your thing. You know, who cares?
1: Yeah, nobody's gonna care, you know. Most of the time people don't even, you know, talk to you at the gym. You know, people everybody's doing their own their own thing. And that's really what we have to to focus on. Cause I mean, I've definitely had, you know, clients like that that they're afraid to go to the gym. And that was me too. Like I when I joined the gym, I was so intimidated. I didn't even go in the weight room for like six months. I just stuck to like where all the little machines were. And yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I just went in there and, and because I was afraid to ask, I went in there and I literally would just like do every time I went in there, I would do like every machine, like total body, like every single machine. I would just make cause it was set up like a, in a circuit, like an yeah. oval. So I would just start at one end and I'd work my way around. And then I started watching, you know, like I would look at people like, oh, she looks really good. What is she doing? And, you know, so I'm like, I'm not looking at anybody like criticizing them. I'm like, what is she doing? I'm going to do what she does. You know, and finally I made my way over to the weight room because I decided, you know what? I belong over there just as much as anybody else. There's no reason why I can't go over there. And I had to get over the whole, I feel stupid. I, you know, I might look stupid. I, maybe I'm doing something wrong. It took me a while to discover that on YouTube you could find like form videos and stuff. So I found all kinds of stuff, and then I found this program like that. I you know started when I started with the weightlifting. I started with a, a five by five program. It's like strong lifts. Started
0: a string. Well, yeah, I love uh, Mark Repetto and um, starting strength, but uh, I haven't heard about one. Oh well, he's the guy behind the five by five. Oh, it's, it's called
1: strong, strong lifts. Is the one.
0: I know, but it's Mark Rippetoe is the. Oh, okay,
1: see, I don't know his name, but like he's he's the guy who talks on the videos that tells you like about he's funny and he's got an accent. Is that him?
0: Uh, he's from Texas.
1: Oh, okay. Well, this guy,
0: not- Mark Rippetoe, has been around for years. He used to be um, a powerlifting coach. Oh, okay, and- it might
1: be a different five by five program. I'll send you the link because this guy who does the video, like the the one that I was doing. He's got an accent. He's not from America and he's really kind of funny and sarcastic.
0: Oh. I'm sure it's probably a different person, but Mark Ripito is um, really sarcastic and I'll very, have to, I'll have to look that up. And <laughs> I love his, I love his quotes. Like some of his quotes are like, it's just better to be stronger and I can't, well, he's just hilarious. So I'll, have,
1: I'll look him up for sure. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
0: and so he's, Started like a linear progression program, probably 30 or 40 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So he's, he's a good guy. To, if you're into weightlifting, he's a good guy to follow. All right. And um, talking about being afraid to show up for things. I've talked to people and I have a run group and then I, I do lots of cycling, go to lots of cycling stuff. But people are always afraid to show up because they're like, "Oh, I'm so, so slow." And and there are some groups that are really fast that really, if you showed up, you wouldn't, you know, they would be gone before you even, you know, looked in. But then there's other groups that they're so welcoming that. Your fear shouldn't be about fitting in. Your fear should be about being talked into doing things like more races than you want to do. Right. So because they're very, especially triathletes seem to be very, um, because everybody's competing against themselves. There's no drafting. Well, there is in Olympic triathlon, like the Olympic, there's drafting in, like if you were in the Olympics, but there's no drafting in triathlons. So there's no teamwork. There's just... Okay you competing against yourself. And triathletes tend to be like, oh, do this race with me. Oh, I'm going to go and do Ironman St. George. Well, they don't have Ironman St. George anymore. It's just a half, but I'm going to do St. George. Are you going to sign up for St. George? Oh, come on, come train with us. Oh, we're going to be at the lake at this time. Please come and swim with us. It's a peer pressure in a good way because yeah. they're they're so welcoming. They just want to see your face. And they right. don't care if you go run with them at the same pace or whatever. They just... Right to you. So I think having a group is helpful. You're, sometimes the first step is signing up for a program like yours and like, hey, realizing I have this DT or ED yeah. talking, to, talking to me and getting over that part of it and then making that progression to just showing up at the gym. I mean, I think the first step is getting over the discomfort of, of showing up. I mean, new yeah. patterns and stuff yeah. like that. So let's, uh, we're going to run out of time and I know I could talk to you forever, Mary, <laughs> <laughs> but so tell people where to find you. So
1: on Instagram and on Facebook, I'm Keto Mary 71. And then, uh, our coaching programs can be found at com. And so we have a whole team of coaches. Like when you go to the main page of the coaching page, all of our pictures and, are on there. And if you click on a picture of the coach, it'll take you to their bio and you can read their story. So we always tell people when you're looking for a coach, read all the bios and pick the coach whose story most resonates with you.
0: Yes. All of the coaches I've met, I think I've met five of your coaches.
1: And we're, there were four of us on the cruise, and then you might probably met some more at KetoCon. Mm-hmm.
0: Right at QCon, and they're all very super duper nice. Yeah, like, I love them. A great team. <laughs> if you're interested in endurance sports, contact me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think you guys have any endurance sports. We coaches.
1: do not, we do not have any endurance coaches. We have um, one gal who she's like she's the bikini competitions, and so she works with a lot of people like that. But we're, right. it's a pretty diverse you know, team as far as like. You know, like Jessica and I are, it's just kind of like the eating disorder, food addiction thing. And then I also work with people with type two diabetes. And so does Elena, Katrina and Kimmy have lipedema and lymphedema. So they work with, you know, with lipoedema, you know, we have Brian who's across, he owns a CrossFit gym. So he works, he ends up working with like a lot of CrossFitters. So there's several other coaches too. Jade um, has epilepsy and she does a brain program. So. Yeah, you can check it all out. Everything that's available is on the website.
0: Yeah. I did meet your figure competitor coach because she was asking me oh, yeah. about information. She had a girl who's doing triathlon and how to time the carbs and stuff like that. And some of it, I have a Facebook group, Keto for Endurance Athletes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I say the same thing over and over and over again, but I think that's part of coaching is you yeah. just do things over and over Yes. And over
1: and sometimes you could say the same thing to somebody 20 times, and then they hear someone else say it once, and they're like, oh, guess what I heard? And you're like, really? I'm like,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I think I said that 20 times. <laughs> I know. And it's crazy. And then it's like, because everybody's in a different place. And when you're training for an event, hopefully these people are doing phases of training, they're blocking out their phases of training. And when you switch to a different phase, things change. Just because one little snapshot in time works for you, that doesn't mean that that's the way you should do it all the time forever.
1: Right. We all evolve. Yeah. (laughs) My keto today doesn't look anything like it looked that first week. No. You know, like, it's totally, you know, we we all evolve. My workouts definitely are not the same.
0: Yeah. And just appreciate the fact that there are, differences and but I can say for a fact that Mary and Jessica have a fabulous program even though I haven't done your program I just know from talking to you guys it's probably pretty amazing well if you you. have a food addiction or you know somebody who does please check them out and or refer a friend in a nice feel
1: free to message us like if you you know are unsure like if the program's for you you can message either one of us and we'll be happy to answer people's questions
0: yeah. If you hear this and it resonates with you and just know that you can have some freedom from that horrible voice, it's not, instead of that's the voice you hear all the time, it just pops up occasionally.
1: Yeah. We will teach you how to evict Ed.
0: Yes. I like Ed eviction, but yeah. although I'm going to call it uh DT.
1: DT. I like
0: that. <laughs> I to try to evict DT. Like I've evicted Ed a long time ago but I definitely DT is well established. Yeah. And yeah. DT needs to find a new home. That's right. Yep. Get out, DT. <laughs> DT, you're you're gone. You're all right up, thank DT. You. <laughs> thank you so much, Mary. I just thank love you. talking to you and um, love seeing all your posts on Instagram and Facebook. Oh. Although I don't see much on Facebook, but I love every all the stuff you do.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. I'll see you later. All right. Bye.